Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Welcome to the free version of the Michael Savage podcast, and I'm going to keep it free for all of you. But there are many of you who would love to be able to listen to my show without any ads. I love ads, but many of you want to listen to the podcast free of ads. So we created something for you, a solution. We call it the Savage Premium. For less than the price of one flat, tasteless beer at your local bar, you can receive access to all of my podcasts going back years ad-free for just $3.99. That's at $3.99 a month. You'll get not only my ad-free podcast, but you will also occasionally receive access to material that is exclusive for members only. And I'm going to give you the list in a minute of what you've, what you've missed. You're going to get an occasional monologue from me, maybe a reading from one of my novels, sneak peeks of interviews before anyone else hears them, archive pieces dating back to 1994. Many things that come up, you're going to get exclusive access to Michael Savage material. Details can be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com. And if you want to join... All you got to do is go to glow.fm and search Savage Premium. That's glow.fm and search Savage Premium. Now, you will always have access to my free weekly podcast. I want to be clear about that. That's my promise to you. But if you want less ads and more Savage, join the Savage Premium Club today and never miss a spoken word of mine. It's glow.fm slash Savage Premium. You can find it on michaelsavage.com. And here's some of the stuff that you have missed so far. Michael Savage reading from his best-selling novel, Countdown to Mecca. My words, my voice. Savage reads from one of his lost journals, Fiji, 1968. Savage's first drive-time show, Hour One. My interview with the Jewish gangster, very popular. I uh, read from my first written, published article, Who Is at the Helm? From 1965, it's heard nowhere but on my premium site. I read passages from my novel, Abuse of Power. Uh, we replayed Fat Al's Tuna. My Savage show from 324.94, the earliest show in the archive, 324.94. My interview with Donald Trump from 110.2011. 110.2011, while Mark Levin was mocking him and Sean Hannity was mocking him uh, and the others were mocking him, I was interviewing Trump much more and remember subscribers also get ad-free podcasts every week the cost is less than a beer at a bar and you get a better buzz with, with the savage premium so go to go to glow.fm slash savage premium for full access to ad-free podcasts and exclusive sound you'll not hear anywhere else thank you very much Welcome to the Michael Savage Podcast. It seems to me the human race is doomed. We never learn anything from history, and now we have the most corrupt, senile president in American history. Bringing us to the brink of World War III. Yes, you heard me right, and I'm not the only one. Here's the question. If we cannot learn from history, and we are condemned to repeat history, how many more millions are going to die before American people awaken to the fact that this war that is emerging between Ukraine, really, the United States, and Russia. You can throw in NATO. This war could be stopped, could have been stopped, could have been ended, didn't have to happen. We know that Donald Trump talked about it. We know that he said that this wouldn't have happened. We know that he would have picked up a phone and called Putin. But Biden doesn't pick up a phone and call Putin. Instead, he has Zelensky, the perverted comedian, come to Congress and insult the United States of America by wearing an undershirt while receiving a hero's welcome. No, he is not the Winston Churchill of our time. He's a useful stooge of the military-industrial complex. Now, let me pause right there for a minute. As Americans, we sympathize with the little guy. We sympathize with the country that appears to have been invaded uh, by the big country. We say he's just fighting for his independence. We're saying he's a real hero. But we don't understand the Russian point of view because this administration has demonized 
Putin and Russia to an extent unimaginable. I want to remind you that under Donald Trump, it was the United States Air Force in combined force with the Russian Air Force that bombed the hell out of ISIS and drove them out of Syria and uh, northern Iraq. Yes, it was Russia and the U.S. coming together under Donald Trump to drive ISIS, the rampaging psychopaths, away from the, the area they had conquered. The rape stopped. The desecration of ancient monuments stopped. And then we wake up, and this corrupt administration, which lives for war. Now, let me ask you something. Let me stop right there. You know, the Russians still remember the Waffen-SS Ukrainian divisions that massacred the Russian people. Now you say, well, wait a minute. What about the Ukrainian side? They remember the Homodor massacre. They remember the Homodor starvation. Yes, I remember that. I understand that. I've studied history. This is a, a how shall I put it, a tinderbox. And instead of taking away the flames, we're throwing lighter fluid on it. Because the military-industrial complex has never been greedier. They're out of control. On top of that, we have psychopaths around Biden. Now, remember, this is the Biden administration that's attacking straight people, attacking parents who attend school board meetings who don't want perverts teaching their children perversion. It seems this administration is insane. Instead of seeking peace, they seek more war. And so this podcast is dedicated to peace, not war while recognizing the damage done to Ukraine, which can never be undone, by the way. Do you know that there are eight, allegedly eight million Ukrainians who have been driven out of their own country? Where are they? Are they ever going to come back? Do you want to see more of Ukraine destroyed? Do you think Russia is going to back down? No matter how much weaponry we send there? Have you watched Stoltenberg of NATO getting up there and talking, looking like an SS officer? from the World War II era, Stoltenberg? Where did he come from? The New World Order, Stoltenberg? I seek my own heroes for the truth, and today you're going to hear one of them on the Michael Savage podcast. I spoke with retired U.S. Army Lieutenant Colonel Robert McGinnis, who was courageous enough to speak about the truth on the Ukraine war. He's a warrior. Title of his article was, Pentagon Leaks Reveal Biden's Ukraine War Lies and What May Happen. You probably have already forgotten about the Pentagon leaks that the so-called Air Force National Guardsmen leaked because we were, we were deceived again into focusing on the leaker, not what he actually leaked. We should be focusing on what was released in what I am calling the new Pentagon Papers, not so much the leaker. Army Lieutenant Colonel Bob McGinnis graduated from uh, West Point the Naval Postgraduate School, the Commander General Staff College, the Defense Language School, and the Army War College's strategy course. He is an Airborne Ranger Infantry Officer with service in four infantry divisions on three continents, and he knows what's going on. He is here to tell you the truth. He's here to tell you the truth. He's the author of nearly a thousand articles and eight published books. The latest was Kings of the East, which I highly recommend. I'm calling this podcast the New Pentagon Papers, from the arsenal of democracy to the arsenal of hypocrisy. And as you listen to this, you'll ask yourself, how did we get here? How can we stop this mad administration that lies to the American people on a daily basis and is on a warpath around the world? Colonel McGinnis wrote an excellent article explaining the shocking history of past presidents lying to the American people before leading us into wars. So Biden's not the first. If history is to be our teacher, we should all be very concerned with where we are going. Again, I want to say that Colonel McGinnis emphasizes that we need to focus on the leaks themselves instead of who leaked them. But most importantly, we need to hold the mad Biden administration accountable before the war gets worse. Even uh, the great Warren Buffett said he's more concerned about nuclear war than he is about profit for his company. And you egg on Ukraine for more war? Is the Biden administration purposely draining our weapons arsenals to favor the Chinese, some would ask? Do you actually think Ukraine can really win the war against giant Russia? 
Well, Colonel McGinnis has learned firsthand from past wars and has many vital lessons to share with you. And I know you will find this conversation as enlightening as I did. Pentagon leaks reveal Biden's Ukraine war lies and what may happen next. And now we're supposed to be celebrating Ukraine's counteroffensive without adding up the equation of what do you think Russia is going to do if we push them to the wall. These are very dangerous incendiary times with the most insane administration in American history. Need I say more? Well, listen carefully. Maybe you'll learn something. This is Michael Savage, and let's pray for peace. Savage, a host like no other. Have you become a victim of the timeshare trap? You think there's no way out? Well, Chuck McDowell, founder of Wesley Financial Group, has helped over 35,000 families out of financial hardship by getting them out of bad timeshares, and they may be able to help you too. Listen, if your timeshare agreement goes on forever, if you were told timeshares are a great investment or your maintenance fees will never go up, yeah, you need to get the facts about timeshare cancellation. For over 10 years, Wesley Financial Group has been dedicated to helping folks get out of a lifetime of debt by canceling their timeshares. So they created a free timeshare exit information kit that reveals how the timeshare industry works and your options for cancellation. To get your free timeshare exit information kit, simply go to iCancelTimeshare.com. That's iCancelTimeshare.com. I'll say it one more time, iCancelTimeshare.com. Thank you very much, iCancelTimeshare.com. All right, we're ready to go. We're honored to have Lieutenant Colonel Robert McGinnis with us on the uh, Michael Savage podcast. Colonel, I saw your article in, uh, on Fox News the other day. I was very impressed not only with the historical vantage point, but the fact that the uh, media, of course, is once again focusing on the wrong thing. They're focusing on the leaker, not the leak. And you so succinctly spell that out. Could you please tell us what actually is going on in Ukraine in a, in a short version? I mean, the Ukrainians are losing, obviously. Yeah. As I indicate, Dr. Savage, that uh, the Biden administration wants us to believe that all is copacetic with the Ukrainians that they're going to eventually defeat the Russians in their own country and perhaps uh, go beyond that. Um, you know, they've suffered massive casualties. Uh, they, of course, you know, so have the Russians, if you believe what General Milley has said, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs. Um, they've also lost, they, the Russians, a lot of tanks and they're bringing up their old T-55s and T-62s out of stocks of uh, mothballs. Um, now, the Ukrainians, of course, have had the advantage of us providing them with uh, much of our sophisticated uh, javelins, uh, now patriots, uh, obviously, triple three or triple seven artillery, uh, tens of thousands of rounds of that. The Most Europeans are doing the same thing. But, uh, you know, un unless the Ukrainians can pull a a rabbit out of a hat uh, with regard to Crimea and the Donbass area, they're going to have to, um, you know, probably settle for something far less than what Zelensky and company want. Um, well, you know, Zelensky keeps saying we'll have tanks in Moscow. I've never heard anything as insane in my life. And I will be leaving the parliament today, thanking all of you in advance for powerful English planes. I mean, do they understand World War II is sort of a precedent for what they... The Russians see them in a different way than we see them. Oh, yeah. The, Ru the Russians remember the Ukrainian SS divisions right. trampling over the farmland of Ukraine. Yeah, well, yeah. Most people, as you know, Dr. Savage, are not terribly good on their history. Mm -hmm. you know, we no longer teach it in our schools, unfortunately. But you're right. 
you know, I, I think there are a lot of worrisome signs. Obviously, the Belarusians are now learning how to use uh, tactical nuclear weapons, thanks mm. to uh, Moscow. Uh, the Finns, uh, rightly, are very concerned, and, you know, therefore, they jumped aboard uh, NATO. The Germans are not showing a lot of resilience here. Uh, they don't seem to understand that uh, perhaps... Uh, they ought to be doing more with the Ukrainians if, in fact, uh, they believe the Ukrainians are not doing well. You know, the real exchange inside is very worrisome. Uh, people don't understand that you know, Ukraine is bleeding uh, badly in terms of the numbers of forces they can throw to the into the east. Uh, and of course, you know, we're all talking about uh, the, the spring offensive, when it's going to launch, if at all. And will they have the might, the the tanks? They have some Leopard 2s, obviously, given by the Poles and the Germans a few and so forth. They don't have the M1s yet, and I don't think they'll get those anytime soon. So uh, they, certainly not for the spring offensive. But wait, so, Colonel, I have a question as a civilian. The Russians can view the entire theater of war from their satellites, right? Right. So what is to prevent the Russians from obliterating the tanks the minute they appear in Ukrainian soil? Oh, nothing. <laughs> you know, and, and that obviously the drones that they're getting from, certainly from Iran, uh, now whether or not they're getting uh, drones from the Chinese that have um, the capability of destroying tanks, that's quite possible. Uh, we know that the Chinese have those capabilities. Uh, but the Russians have other means uh, to counter that, as we know. Uh, so, you know, if I were in the Russians' uh, headquarters, I'd probably be watching through satellite and other imagery as well as uh, signal intelligence and trying to ascertain what the flow of weapons are into that country. Uh, I'm pretty sure they know exactly how, and no doubt with Russian-speaking uh, Ukrainians that are turncoats, uh, they're, they're monitoring every port of call, every port of entry, and therefore, whether it's by rail or by land or by sea, which is somewhat iffy, obviously, in the Black Sea, you know, th they know the flow, and yet, um, so far, they haven't stopped a lot of that, uh, not nearly as much as uh, one would expect. That's very interesting. You know, I've had Colonel McGregor on many several times. I don't know if he's a colleague of yours or if you're he familiar is. with each other. It's not that we're pro-Russian. No. What, what we want is no world war. We don't want a nuclear yeah. war. And we know how things can escalate. And you're a professional military man. You know better than I do as a civilian. I mean, I've studied World War One for many, many years, and I call it the accidental world war because it, it almost started by accident and it then escalated where one superpower came in and the other came to counter that one then that one, that one. And next thing you knew, millions of men were turned into a fertilizer. And I'm terrified that we're following the same exact program without understanding where we are going. And then you have to ask yourself about the leaker, which is, of course, the whole Pentagon leak story here. You allege, and I think I agree 100 percent with you, that this one young man alone could never have achieved this leak. Isn't that what you wrote, that he was not alone? He worked with others in the Defense Department, in your opinion? Well, I don't know the, the details of his background other than he's a National Guardsman and Airman. Uh, apparently had uh, access to a skiff that had um, access to a server that, you know, passes top secret information back and forth. So that tells me he's a military intelligence type. And, you know, evidently, uh, if you believe what the media is reporting, he downloaded a lot of that material and then shared it. Now, uh, it, it does seem a bit hard to believe that uh, he would have such special access on certain types of communication that has nothing to do with the Air National Guard in Massachusetts that he would be able to see all that uh, about the Ukraine. However, um, maybe he was acting on the behalf of his uh, leadership. Uh, those details, Dr. Savage, have not come out. Um, so I would reserve judgment at this point. Uh, you know, he's a very different animal than Snowden or Manley, Manning and others that have come before him. Very important point. How, is he, how does he differ from Snowden and Manning? Well, Snowden, you know, of course, what he downloaded 750,000 documents and then 
scurried off to China and eventually into Russia, where he's now a Russian citizen. Mm. Uh, so he, of course, exposed a new program uh, that a lot of Americans didn't know about, that the NSA was uh, snooping into uh. places we didn't know about. Now, uh, Manning uh, did something not that different, uh, just not at the same scale. Uh, and, of course, uh, unfortunately, Barack Obama let him out on uh, clemency, I suppose, a pardon uh, years later, perhaps uh, you know, for reasons that have nothing to do with compromising national security. Now, I'm concerned about our security. I don't want you know inside documents shared with the rest of the world, especially mm. if we have adversaries uh, that would use it against us. And I certainly don't want uh, our service members endangered, as we've seen in the past, by uh, presidents and administrations that have squandered our wealth and squandered our blood needlessly in places all over the world. And, uh, you know, uh, you pointed out Woodrow Wilson promised before World War One, no, we're not going to go into a foreign mm -hmm. war. And yet, as soon as he you know, took the presidency, you know, off we were. You know, and we so what's there. interesting is the Wilson Center for for Peace yeah. is a liberal think tank. And they're always involved with, you know, you know, you know, as we're speaking, I'm reminded of the quote Pentagon Papers. Oh, yeah. Back in the 60s, they were treated like world heroes. In fact, they built a career based on that leak. Yeah. Great heroes for leaking Pentagon Papers about Vietnam and how we were losing. Right. Here's a kid who did the same thing and he's treated as the worst enemy we've ever had. Yeah. Well, like I say, I'm not going to defend you know, leaking documents because that's, you know, I'm, I'm kind of concerned about that because I've had a lot of friends killed in wars because of compromised intelligence. Now, yeah, but at the same time, I have no sympathy for presidents that manipulate things. You know, you, you mentioned Vietnam. Um, I had a friend, uh, now deceased, uh, Lieutenant General Charlie Cooper and uh, Marine. And when Charlie was a Young captain, he was the aide de camp to the chief of naval operations in the Pentagon. One day in the middle of the war, uh, all the chiefs got together with a, a big map of Vietnam and they marched into the Oval Office to try to convince LBJ that uh, his plans to expand the war in Vietnam uh, was a, a a bad decision. It was going to cost us a lot of lives and it wasn't going to accomplish what, mm -hmm. what the president wanted. Well. Charlie said, because yeah, he was the only person other than the, the four stars and the president in the room at the time, he was holding the map, the map holder. And, and Charlie said, well, after LBJ listened to what they, the chiefs had to say, uh, he, he looked up, he yelled in his usual way with all sorts of expletives, and he said, get your butts out of here. Uh, you don't know what you're talking about. There are far more going on. Well, we know in hindsight, that LBJ's political career was on the line, and he used the excuse of the Vietnam War to continue to perpetrate that. And we ended up ultimately sending half a million young Americans over there, and we brought 58,000 back in body bags. So, you know, I, I think that that was an illustration. But th there's one more, Dr. Savage, if you have time, that I was oh, personally we have, we have unlimited time to hear the truth. Okay. <laughs> I was personally involved. Um, in 2002, I received a letter from Donald Rumsfeld. Oh, yeah. Uh, he invited uh, me to Mr. a Coca, Mr. Coca-Cola, correct? <laughs> I'm joking. He invited me to a meeting on October the 30th, 2002 at the Pentagon. Um, as I came to find out, there were about 15 of us. At the time, I was a Fox News analyst and appeared you know, talking about not only Afghanistan, but also the, the building momentum toward Iraq. So we marched in there, not literally, but we went in there. I was sitting exactly opposite the secretary. To his right was the chairman of Joint Chief, General Meyer. Uh, we've had uh, General Carpenter as a, as a vice chairman. We had you know, the entire staff, major staff, political appointees. And uh, they basically began to tell us what was really going on. Now, allegedly, this was not a classified briefing. 
This led to what eventually became the military analyst program that was exposed years later by the New York Times and the author won a Pulitzer Prize. And of course, there are a whole host of investigations. I was named in a number by the FCC as well as by the DOD Inspector General. What I told the New York Times, which is a matter of record, is after asking questions about weapons of mass destruction, which allegedly was the reason we went in there, and after Cheney and Powell and others made testimony to that fact, I had a friend at the time, Lieutenant General uh, Fauzi al-Shamari, who was you know, brought to this country by an intelligence agency because his life was in jeopardy from Saddam Hussein. Well, my friend Fauzi, you know, really helped me to understand what was going on inside Iraq because he had all his friends were the top generals in the mm. Iraqi army. Mm. And so Fauzi, you know, you know, really helped me to understand that he said, Bob, consistently, you know, my discussions with him demonstrated conclusively we didn't, you know, Saddam stopped that nasty stuff years previously. Well, then I started asking questions of, the, you know, I remember asking uh, Secretary Rumsfeld, you know, about allegedly the bio, biochemical program and especially the yellow fever that was at the time was something that they evidently had weaponized. Well, they confirm, yeah, we think they have all that sorts of stuff. And then um, toward the, uh, I think it was February of 2003, a month prior to the invasion, um, I was led into a, a secret room where they showed me all sorts of photographs and all sorts of equipment that they alleged uh, was on the ground and demonstrated conclusively that weapons of mass destruction were in all those bunkers. Well, I doubted that. Uh, because of what Fauci had told me. I arranged for a meeting with a an intelligence official, mm. uh, given my purview, and Fauci laid out to this intelligence official you know, the truth, and nothing came of that. So all my protestations to Rumsfeld, to the generals, uh, was for naught. Well, it sounds uh, like today with Ukraine, no matter what anyone says, they're still on a war path, right? Well, that is my concern. You know, 4,500 of our service members were killed in Iraq and tens of thousands of others were wounded. Uh, all on what, as far as I'm concerned, was a manipulation of the American people to give the Bush administration the go-ahead uh, to launch an attack. And for what reason? Um, it certainly wasn't because he had weapons of mass destruction, because I knew that that wasn't the case. And I told The New York Times, but that, that was much too late uh, in the in the equation. So we were manipulated. And I think that uh, the manipulation that we saw during the Vietnam era, during the Iraq issue and others, uh, it's painting a picture right now with regard to what the Biden people are are saying about uh certainly Ukraine and all the pieces of this puzzle behind the scene. You know, I, I have a, a book that came out last year, Kings of the East. It's all about what China wants. Mm. And now when I saw President Xi cozy up to Vladimir Putin a couple of weeks ago in Moscow, and the parting statement by President Xi was rather chilling. He said something to the effect that uh, what we're doing is going to change the history back 100 years. Uh, I think essentially what he's communicating is that uh, he has a vision of a new world order that is more to the liking of the communists in Beijing and in the totalitarians there in the Kremlin, mm -hmm. as well as the Iranians and others. Uh, so I'm very concerned about that. I don't want to see fresh American blood spilt in places there's no reason for that to happen. Now, I'm I'm all in favor of going to war if our critical national interests are at stake. But I have yet to hear that uh, from Biden. And you mean, in what, where's the national interest in Ukraine? Uh, that's, you know, I keep asking that back. If you went back uh, to what was it? Um, the fall before uh, the invasion, 20. Uh, t November 20, I wrote an article for Fox News basically saying there's better than a 50-50 chance uh, that Russia will attack. Um, I ended up being right, obviously, and I gave the reasons what I was seeing in a non-classified arena that suggested that this time around, 
because we had a weak president, because you know, Putin was ambitious and he had grandiose aspirations for retaking uh, Ukraine and expanding the old Russian empire, you know, those things made perfect sense at the time. And of course, the closer we got, you know, two weeks before he ran off to Beijing to talk to Xi, no doubt laid out the, the plan and then came back. And as soon as the uh, the Chinese finished the Olympics, you know, boom, you know, the Russians attacked from the north, from Belarus down toward Kiev. Now, fortunately, they didn't, you know, they're so poorly led and, and not well equipped that they stumbled over themselves. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. I have said this before, but I shall say it again and again and again. Your boys are not going to be sent into any foreign war. It is a solemn responsibility to have to order even limited military action by forces whose overall strength is as vast and as awesome as those of the United States of America. I take the threat very seriously. I take the fact that he develops weapons of mass destruction very seriously. I have to ask this question. Clausewitz, the great diplomat historian, wrote, I think he wrote that uh, war is fundamentally, I'll paraphrase it poorly, war is a continuation of failed diplomacy. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. We have no, no diplomacy. None. Where is any diplomacy? Have we had one diplomat? Remember, Kissinger would do the shuttle diplomacy trying to settle the Middle East conflict. Yeah. We have no diplomacy. It seems that this administration is intent on war at all costs. Is that correct? Well, it's certainly a distraction from all the domestic crises that this administration has created. Okay. So, it's been you, it's, uh, you know, the tail wags the dog. That's, you know, I, I, that expression just fits this administration. I don't see how in the world uh, they pull this off on a reelection, given you know, the terrible, uh, tragic circumstances they've created by their own choice. Well, first of all, Ukraine is half gone. Eight million people have been forced to flee. Uh, I, you know, if you and I were to sit in the room, you're the expert in, in, in military. I'm basically just a political chess player. So I'm sitting on the sideline and I say, how do you play this out? How does this war play out if this keeps up? Well, OK, the West keeps sending more weapons, keeps escalating the war. Right. Russia gets backed into a corner. Right. Let's say Russia loses the T-30, whatever they're bringing out now. Let's say Russia loses, God forbid, another 50, 100,000 men. Right. Eventually, their back is going to be to a wall and, and they're going to use tactical nuclear weapons, which they don't even have to use because the weapons themselves today are so devastating. The cluster munitions that can be dropped, aerially dropped and literally obliterate every living thing within a, a radius of whatever the extent may be. You don't need nuclear weapons to kill everybody in a sector. So, OK, so they escalate. What happens next? What we, we then nuke Moscow? Could one of the idiots say, let's nuke Moscow? Yeah, I, I wrote a piece for the Western Journal on that, and it was too hot for Fox News a year ago. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I was going to ask how you even survive Fox News, but we don't have to go there. Yeah, well, they, they don't. Uh, sometimes I, I, I'm too upfront. Um, yeah, I, I've, I spent years on the east or the west German border against the Russians and against the East Germans. Uh, yeah, you know, they're, they're not nice people. I've been to Russia. I've been to Ukraine. So I, you know, I have some experience in those countries. What uh, I, I don't think we in the West quite appreciate the Russian perspective. Now, Vladimir Putin's been manipulating the Russian people you know, very well. Um, you know, either you support what he wants to do or uh, you're silenced. I, I think of the case of a, what? A, <laughs> it sounds like America under Biden. Well, you know, here recently, a 13 year old girl was drawing a, a picture in, in a Russian public school uh, about basically resisting the war in Ukraine. 
Um, well, that, that got not only her in trouble and shipped to a orphanage, but it got her father arrested and sent to jail. Well, that sounds so, like someone using the wrong pronoun in a school today in America. Well, it does. And, and that sort of stuff is what's happening today in Russia. So you don't speak out against Vladimir Putin. You know, some people argue he's a Democrat. No, he's a totalitarian and and he's using all the levers of power in that country to control people. You know, but that's what the American media is doing for Biden with regard to Ukraine. Anyone who opposes war as a peace oriented individual, meaning peace is patriotic. Let's start with that. Yeah. Every warrior will say the same thing. People who've actually been in combat yeah. would say the same thing. Anyone who's been in combat and been hurt or seen men die or their friends die want peace. It's the warmongers who don't even understand what it is to be punched in the nose, let alone see a friend obliterated, that seem to be screaming bloody murder for more and more war. And I see this escalating, and I also see this going in the wrong direction. I see zero diplomacy. Remember when Kissinger spoke out a few six, nine months ago, what happened? He was completely excommunicated. Then all of a sudden, when Davos came along, he changed his tune entirely because he probably was told, unless you come out in favor of a more militant stance against Putin and war, you're not going to be in the club, uh, Hank. It ought to be guaranteed by NATO in whatever forms NATO can develop. And I believe Ukrainian membership in NATO would be a appropriate outcome what do you think of that yeah yeah i'm not surprised that the 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 power centers uh in this country as well as uh uh you know whether it's at davos and the and and the economic council and the decisions they're making you know what we do know is that they have some pretty um sobering ambitions for the world in which we live and they're using the mechanisms that are available you know henry kissinger of course was you know he got us into into um china in 72 with richard nixon and i i really i think we ought to historically regret that because of what we made them into the monster they are i agree 100 i must tell you colonel i remember when nixon was president yeah, I was a, I was a young man, not a child. And I remember I was not that political, but I remember writing to myself in my journal. It seems to be Nixon is doing almost everything a communist would do if he took over America, took yeah. us off the took us off the gold standard, made friendly, made friends with communist China, even as a neophyte in the political realm, writing to myself. It didn't make sense to me what Nixon did. And here we are facing the dragon now, breathing right at us with the hot breath of their war uh, machine, which is growing stronger by the day. And much of their technology, as we know, came directly from the United States of America, as did most of their capacity for manufacturing weapons of war. Yeah, well, it was incredibly naive. They didn't look at the 3,500 years of history that came before 1972. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, uh, the fight that Mao Zedong you know, worked or did with uh, Chiang Kai-shek um, and Mao was during the Cultural Revolution uh, was you know, just vicious. Uh, arguably, tens of millions of Chinese died, and and that's the type of background that we went in in '72 to try to resurrect that nation into something that could live on Western standards. They never had Western standards, and they continued to carry a grudge because of the two opium wars a century prior. And if you listen to what President Xi says here recently in Mm. the 20th Congress and, of course, in the National People's uh, Congress here a couple months ago, that, um, you know, their memory is long. You know, they they really hate the West for what they did to China, you know, 150 years ago. You mean enslaving them with opium, the English, the English enslaving them with opium, for example. Oh, yeah. Uh, and the French and the Japanese. Of course, they took care of the Japanese uh, to a certain degree. Well, the rape of Nanking is a, is a national scar in China that they will never forget. And that explains the tensions even today. Of course, the Japanese occupied 
quote, Taiwan, mm. uh, and they use that as a jumping off point to go into mainland China and then, you know, do some terrible things over the history of their occupation. And of course, you know, it's interesting, FDR, who I call out in that article as a liar, he changed our policy, our trade policy with regard to Japan, allegedly because of what they were doing in China. Um, but, you know, I, I think it was really a precursor to try to get us into the war that, you know, I think behind the scenes, there were a host of evidence that suggested FDR had every intention to do that. But, you know, the Chinese or the Japanese prime minister in April of 1941 uh, communicated directly to FDR saying, look, we want an amicable outcome to the what's happening in the Pacific. Well, FDR turned him down flat. And so what did the Japanese then do? They said, well, obviously, we're not going to do anything with the, the Americans. So we're going to have to begin to ratchet up a, a defense and a, maybe an offensive capability. And of course, you know, December of 41, every, know, everyone knows about the, the attack on Pearl Harbor. I, I think all these pieces do connect, whether it's, you know, FDR ignoring the Holocaust, and he did consistently. If I spent some time in the Holocaust Museum going through old FDR files, and it, mm -hmm. it's pretty clear what he mm -hmm. did there, or didn't do. Um, and then, of course, you know, in the fall of 1940, the election, which took place November of the 5th, FDR promised, we're not going to go to war. And he said it consistently throughout the campaign. Of course, he was he was running against Wilkie, and Wilkie was was saying basically he, he said, "Yeah, this guy's going to get us at war." And if you really don't want to go to war, don't elect FDR. Well, of course, um, as soon as we uh, the American people elected FDR or re-elected FDR you know, in January, two months later, uh, uh, the Roosevelt administration hosted a meeting between uh, the Brits and the U.S. It solidified our lethal aid, which we'd already been secretly providing to the Brits. And then, of course, in March, uh, we had the Lynn Least, which really blew out of the water any calls for neutrality. Uh, so we were not neutral in that war. Uh, and then incrementally, we were just piling on uh, toward the the ultimate and the excuse that was used, of course, was the attack on Pearl Harbor. Uh, but we were ready to go to war. We, we had exercises. Okay, we had well, it's very much that that government was intent on going to war yeah. the same way in, to bring it back to the Ukraine war and the lies in your article and what may happen next. Colonel McGinnis, it seems that Biden, of course, is lying, but he's not the first president, as you wrote in your great article which caught my attention, mainly the history of every president seems to have lied about war. And uh, we have to ask directly, uh, as a result of these new Pentagon Papers, which is what we have to call them, the new Pentagon Papers. Instead, there's this, this child uh, National Guardsman who's going to be pilloried, which he should be, by the way, for obviously violating state secrets. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Are American troops fighting Russians? I mean, I've assumed for over a year that we have special forces on the ground. I have reasons to say that as a, as a civilian looking in. Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, and I'm glad I don't know. Therefore, I can talk about general. <laughs> uh, uh, mm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. Uh, what, you know, special operations forces do around the world. Yeah, you know, I'm a great fan of special operations forces when they're on a tether, and they're doing the right sorts of things for our national interest. Mm. But we do things and we don't talk about it. You know, whether it's SEALs going after Osama bin Laden uh, or, you know, perhaps, you know, it's possible that that little pipeline into the Baltic Sea was um, mysteriously exploded by somebody that um, might know something. I don't mm -hmm. know. 
Um, so they're, they're special operation forces are everywhere. They're in every embassy sometimes. Um, are they in that uh, Kiev embassy? I don't know. I wouldn't doubt it. Um, we have billions and billions of sophisticated arms flowing into that country. That's important. But we just uh, bought thousands, hundreds of thousands of 105, 155 millimeter artillery shells from South Korea, I was told or read. Is that correct? Yeah, I, I've seen that report as well. Um, where you know, are where did our artillery shells go? They're all used up. Well, that's an issue. Uh, we we have very limited industrial capability to replenish our arsenals. Uh, huh. It takes years to replenish javelins and stingers and patriots and the like. You know, those are on fixed contracts. Oh and my so you, God! Now, under NDAA twenty twenty three, there was a a flush of money that was pushed toward defense contractors to replenish our arsenals. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's why I mentioned in that article, uh, Dr. Savage, that I was concerned about not only our arsenals, but uh, what's what are the Chinese taking away from this? You know, mm-hmm. if, if they're ambitious against Taiwan and, you know, that's not a mystery. President Xi consistently talks about that right. basically to fan nationalism in his country. But if they're ambitious, they want to know that we don't have sufficient munitions. Now, there was an SSCI war game conducted, oh, not that many months ago. And what is that? Please tell us what the acronym stands for. Uh, SS. It's a think tank in Washington. Okay, fair enough. War games. And they do that by contract with the Pentagon. And you bring all your subject matter experts together and and then you let the, the computers generate the scenarios and then you try to fight them. Well, consistently, according to the reports, uh, the Taiwan scenario, we in a week run out of these long range missiles because we have a set inventory. Now, that is, of course, good news to the Chinese who uh, have, if you've seen here recently, been just ratcheting up their own production, not only ballistic missiles, but things like the DF. Uh, 31, which is intended to destroy U.S. aircraft carriers. So it's a precision oh munition that has a big big warhead that oh. could put a big hole all the way to the bottom of an aircraft carrier. And, you know, they, they practice that sort of stuff on a, on a oh routine basis. They even have training facilities in the western part of China where we've taken, you know, photographs that have been, you know, shown on published media of the shape from the air of what an aircraft carrier. And so they, they practiced trying to put a hole in the top of that. Well, mm-hmm. that's the sort of stuff that we're, we're up against. And I don't think we need to worry because we're practicing the correct pronoun for our, <laughs> for our Navy. And the important yeah. thing is for the Naval people to feel good, uh, right. not, to, not to fight a war. So we've gone from the arsenal of democracy, <laughs> Colonel, to the arsenal of hypocrisy. In my in my simplistic definition here, and it looks to me like this war is going to get worse before it gets better. Do you think there's any chance that the anti-war movement, which is emerging and growing in America, incidentally, it's a it's a it's a subterranean anti-war movement that is counter to the entire narrative, not only of the government, both uh, Democrat, which is almost 100 percent pro-war and Republican under this McCall. It looks like a maniac to me from Texas. Lindsey Graham never never saw a potential war. He's never wanted someone else's son to fight in. Is there any chance of this stopping before it gets out of control? Well, perhaps if we have a change of administration and put somebody in there, Trump would stop it for sure. But, you know, they've neutralized him in so many ways. Well, you know, people like, as you know, Dr. Savage, they called him a a militarist long before he went in there and he, he stopped wars. I know. I, that's one of the reasons I backed him in 2015. I said, no. I'm anti-war because a, war, a world war is not what the world wants. He's a businessman. He doesn't. Right. He knows that war is right. bad for business unless you're in the war business. Yeah, I was with him two weeks ago in Mar-a-Lago and I didn't yeah. bring this up. I mean, he is the same person he's always been the same uh, Donald Trump. But he hammered the same exact thing when Ukraine came up. He didn't hold back. No, he a table of 10. And he just said, the first day I'm in there, I stopped this thing is what he said. Yeah. 
Well, we should have stopped it, you know, a year prior, and there was every reason to believe we could have in my mind. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't do that. And we have people that are, are fanning the flames of going to war. They don't know now, Zelensky ran on an anti-war platform. He had this unknown vulgar comedian yeah. came out of nowhere and he said that if I if I win, I'm going to be anti-war. We're never going to have war with Russia. I will never join NATO because it'll provoke Russia. Those are his campaign slogans. That's Zelensky now. Yeah. So right. look where we are today. War hero Winston Churchill in an undershirt. How, yeah. how did he become? He works out a lot. I, I got to give it to the old. Uh, I got to give it to him. He those those uh, steroids he's taking and the workouts are working. <laughs> but I've never seen a world leader wear the same undershirt over and over. I mean, one when he goes to the uh, to the Congress, he could have put on a, a used sport jacket, couldn't he? What is he trying to prove with that undershirt? I don't want to drag you into my own comedic view of the world. Look, this is serious business. We don't know if U.S. troops are fighting in Russia, in Ukraine. We have to assume they're on the ground. They're advisors the same way they were in Vietnam. They're in the embassy the same way they were in Vietnam. Uh, can Ukraine win the war against giant Russia? Nobody believes they can. What do you think? Well, if unless we run out of uh, Ukrainian people willing to die uh, with NATO weapons in their hands, uh, this can continue for some time. Mm. But I don't think the birth rate in Ukraine uh, is going to be able to keep up with the bloodletting that's that's ongoing. Horrible. And they're so wonderful people, Ukrainians are, you know, they're ferocious warriors in addition to everything else. They're, they're you, know, you have to admire them fighting for their homeland. Everyone who understands what they're doing right. backs their wanting to fight for their homeland. But it seems to me it's a losing battle. Now, no matter how many weapons you throw at them, there aren't enough men to match the amount of men that Putin is willing to sacrifice for Mother Russia. Yeah, unless Putin is removed, which is unlikely, given the oligarchs uh, supporting him, and of course the generals will all you know support him because that's their own lives at stake. That uh, they'll keep bleeding the the Russian people until. Uh, they get what they want. Um, and that could be, like you said, another 100 or 200,000 lives. And for what? Um, they, you know, Putin wants to, to make his point, and that is to take all of Ukraine. Now, um, is it going to happen? I, you know, I don't know. Uh, well, I, th personally looking, I think he's gotten so beaten and he's so bloodied and there's such right. discord in Russia that if he takes the Western um, regions that he's already more or less occupied he's never going to go any further i think he's learned he cannot well that would appear to be the case at the present time uh -huh. you know i think the wild card here dr savage is what the chinese are whispering in putin's ear ah the chinese and, again and you know yeah I, I wrote a book in 2018 alliance of evil it's russia and china against mm. the west i'll throw and, iran in now colonel what's that now throw Iran into the mix. Well, I, I, I always throw Iran, North Korea, and a, a few other, you know, unsavory characters into the mix because they, they collaborate and cooperate uh, on a host of issues. Yeah, keep in mind, I don't know that uh, Xi wants Putin to lose in Ukraine because that will hurt him in his relations with the europeans keep in mind macron was over there bowing to yes. Xi last week yes and you know he brought along i suppose as a token buddy uh the european union uh chancellor or whatever her title is and so they're trying to kind of create a a third pole, I, I presume, in this world that we live in today, the mm. uh, European Union being a, a major player. Well, you know, th that could be. And that will have a major impact on whether or not, I think, uh, France, Germany stay in the mix. They, Schultz in Germany, you know, he... He, he talks a big game, but he hasn't provided much of anything to the Ukrainians in comparison to what we've provided. Well, that's so, because he, he knows their energy dependent upon Russia. Yeah. Well, and, and so that, 
you know, that's part of this mix. So geopolitically, what's going on in Western Europe and with the EU and so forth, uh, that's going to have, I think, long term, some very significant implications on whether or not this war in Ukraine is going to be sustained. And obviously what's going on in Beijing and what Xi sees is his mechanisms to, you know, kind of manipulate not only the Europeans, but also indirectly the United States. Home of Borders, Language, Culture, The Savage Nation. Colonel, you look, you have a global view of things that's unique, not only as a, a, a man of peace, but a man of war. Uh, you're a scholar. Can you explain to me, and I've been watching politics since I'm 17 years old, what the heck was Biden doing in Ireland last week? What did he go there for, to hide? Or was this some... No, no, there has to be another agenda with him. Whoever's running him, there must be another reason to go to Ireland. What was it? No, I think it's like going to the basement. Okay. Um, I used to call him a hologram in the basement when he started to run. So he's a hologram yeah, well, in Ireland. He, he mixed up Gaelic with Gaelic or Gaelic, yeah. Gaelic. He actually he, said he Gaelic. He evaded any serious, serious issues while he was over there. You know, most Americans and even you know, some of the people in the UK, they get irritated with what went on. But, you know, it, it is not of great consequence. So, you know, when you put him out of the shouting uh, distance of reporters asking hard questions, which is essentially what they did, you know, visiting castles and yeah. eating uh, Irish ice cream or whatever, yeah. uh, then, then you you have what you have. Um, uh, and then, of course, you, you put up front, uh, I suppose, uh, Lloyd Austin to try to answer questions that he obviously can't. Uh, <laughs> General Milley's not being terribly helpful. Of course, he's he's on his way out. Anyway. Why did Biden embrace Sinn Fein's leader? What was that about? What was what? Biden embraced the leader of Sinn Féin. Why? I don't know. He was probably told to because I'm sure he doesn't understand what he's doing. Well, I mean, we're talking about the, the group that tried to overthrow you know, yeah. Ireland yeah. for, for, for like 30 or 40 years. That war came to an end, the Civil War, more or less. Yeah. What was Biden doing? Embracing, in essence, the other government in Northern Ireland. Yeah, I, there's some very peculiar issues that have emerged, even with the 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 um, the Potemkin visit to Ireland. But let's put that aside because yeah. it was it was a distraction. There's no question it's a Potemkin visit to get yeah. him off center stage because he was making a disaster of everything he was touching. And his po popularity is in the toilet, so to speak, yeah. or to be more polite, let's say in the in the bargain basement of, uh, <laughs> of, of Macy's, the new Pentagon Papers. And uh, the leaks reveal Biden's Ukraine war lies and what may happen next. Lieutenant Colonel retired Robert L. McGinnis. Any last thoughts for my distinguished audience of really avid listeners? Yeah, Michael, I, um, the books I write are about the broader issues. Uh, the Deeper State I wrote a few years ago, and President Trump sent me a nice note saying, yep, I wow. understand what's going on. That's an honor. I wrote a, wrote a book about progressive evil years ago when I said, watch, folks. These folks are on our horizon. And then, of course, uh, you know, I've written about the new Cold War, which I, I'm absolutely convinced we're in. And then, of course, uh, you know, give me liberty, not Marxism. And then you know, last year, Kings of the East about China's intent to overcome the world. Now, I have a new one coming out this summer. Um Divided we stand. Well, it's really a, a takeoff from what Abraham Lincoln said when in 19 or 1858, when he was accepting the nomination for the U.S. Senate at the in Illinois, he basically said that uh, we have to figure out whether we're a union or not. Uh, we can't allow individual states to go their own direction. And, you know, the evidence all around us is that the left is trying to divide us to a point in which we're totally helpless. And, and I, I look at that across domestically, internationally mm -hmm. and so forth. It's it's tragic what's going on in our nation. Those of us that love our nation and have fought for our nation uh, would like you know, to see those that hate us to leave and to allow us to regather uh, the faithful and and really bring this nation back to where it belongs. Well put, Colonel. Uh, yeah, the cities are literally melting down because of the soft on crime. 
problem, the unwillingness to face the drug cartels that are coming over, bringing the, the fentanyl and other drugs over the border and so many other problems, including this false liberalism of a false tolerance for virtually every behavior except God, faith and liberty. Colonel, look, you have done great work for America and you still are doing it. People say probably to you what they say to me is, why don't you just enjoy the years that you have left and, <laughs> and, and, and just stop it already? You can enjoy yourself. And I say, no, there is no joy when you see a nation you love yep. literally being torn to ribbons by the enemies of truth and the enemies of, of peace. Right. And you guys would say duty on our country. Guess what? Yep. I would use MacArthur's phrase for what I do. Duty on our country is the same exact thing without taking a bullet for it. Yeah. Uh, you know, that reminds me, and I, I don't tell many people this. I was at West Point in 1969. Unbelievable. Uh, my first during the Vietnam War. Uh, the last of the five-star generals I actually had a conversation with, Omar Bradley. Oh, my goodness. I was a, a plebe walking into uh, Fair Hall late. I think it was a medical appointment. And there, in the middle of the hallway, nobody else but five-star general Omar Bradley. The conversation was uh, very short because I was a plebe, a beanhead, a smack. We called them all sorts of things. Um, and I said, good morning, General. And uh, <laughs> he said, good morning. So that was my brief conversation with the five-star general. But, <laughs> you know, he represented an important legacy from yes. our country. And it's something that uh, I think all of us need to carry forward. Well, the Bradley fighting vehicle, for those people who don't even know the name anymore, he was one of the great generals of World War II. And he fought alongside Eisenhower, didn't he? Were they were competitors or were they? allies or colleagues would you say bradley and eisenhower yeah they, they were they were acquaintances at the military academy and of course macarthur was a little older uh but uh very wise men and a lot of experience and unfortunately the politicians didn't tend to listen to him where have all the wise men gone well i think the salvation of america lies in god's hands <laughs> certainly not in the hands of our politicians Colonel McGinnis, of course, I loved your article. We're going to make sure that the books that you have mentioned are featured prominently uh, on the podcast. And all I can say is I respect all that you have done and are continuing to do for the nation that we both love. Thank you, Dr. Savage. Thank you, sir. Thanks for being with us. Much appreciated. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and you'll learn something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? Please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.